Happy New Year. Excited about kicking off this new series of messages for the next three weeks. A chance for us to take a look at resolutions. As soon as you hear that, there's a variety of responses that want to come. We should make resolutions. We're Christians. We're going to fail. So I'm not going to make a resolution with fear of failure. I don't know where you get that from. I think it's okay to make commitments and, and uh, be resolute about something as we walk with Christ. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to make some resolutions and we're going to be resolute about some things. And we were placed here for a purpose. You and I were placed here. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. But we've been given a very short time in the whole time frame. When you consider life on earth compared to eternity, it's a very short period of time that we are on earth. And so we have a chance to make an impact, to live for Christ according to the way that he wants us to live, to live to our redeemed potential, to live to our redemptive potential. But far too many of us neglect the responsibility that God has given us. And far too many of us want to give up and we don't want to make resolutions because we fear that somehow we will fail him if we do so. God's not asking for perfection, but God is asking that we give it our best shot. And so today we're going to look at the, 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 the res, be resolute about being physically healthy, how that impacts our lives, why it's important for us to take this vessel that the Holy Spirit lives in, take care of it, and to live in such a way that he gets glory for, and the whys of that. And so hopefully at some point in this message, you will come to conclusions that I have, and many of you have, that, that we only have a short period of time, our lives are vapors, and they're here for a short period, so let's make the most of the opportunity, let's make the most of the time that we're here, by taking care of our bodies on which we house the Holy Spirit. But there's a fear somehow that envelopes, lopes us around us, comes on us when we think about making a resolution. Like somehow I can't do it. I'm not even going to do it. I'm not going to sign up because I know I'm going to fail. I hear people say that often. Like I'm not even going to sign up for it because I know at some point I'll fail. So why fail? But why not fail harder? Why not recognize that we can get back up by God's grace and continue on? Why not make the conclusion that we're, we're imperfect, but I'm not giving up. I'm not going to quit if I fall down. I'm going to get back up. Make a commitment, I would say, today. Make it today. Make this commitment that you will be all you can be for Jesus today for the rest of the year and don't quit. What if we just said, instead of every day, every month renewing that, just saying, Lord, today, 2016, I will be the best and give it the best shot that I can give and I won't quit. That way, when you wake up tomorrow morning after be maybe feeling different than you feel right now, that way, when you wake up next Friday or, or three months from now or, or when you're not having a good day, that when you wake up, you don't have to ask yourself the question, am I going to do this or not? Will I quit? No, you've already made the commitment for today for the rest of the year. And I would say it this way, quitting is a permanent decision to a temporary problem. So if you make a conclusion, I will not quit, I'll get back up. Otherwise, you'll just every day ask yourself, should I do this or shouldn't I do that? I don't feel like doing this. No, say, no, I already made the conclusion. Back on this day in 2016, I won't quit. Because you'll find all kinds of reasons to quit along the way. Because quitting is a permanent decision to a temporary problem. I would just say, we need to get back up and try harder and realize we're going to make mistakes. But fail harder than anyone else. Give everything you got. Risk it all. 
because when we do, we have God by our side. They'll pick us up. And in the long run, it'll be much better off. Let me show you what I mean. Take a look at this video, what it means to, to not quit and fail harder. I've never seen somebody so afraid to fail. I've never seen a society so afraid to fail. Pride and ego have taken the forefront of athletes' work ethic, pushing back the vulnerable mentality it takes to improve one's game. We obsess over perfection while forgetting the process of imperfection it takes to get there. Show me a player who's shooting 100% in practice, and I'll show you a player who's not taking game-like shots. Show me a player who doesn't lose the ball, and I'll show you a player who isn't going hard enough. Show me a player who doesn't make mistakes, and I'll show you a player who's not getting better. <laughs> it's funny because the other day, a player came up to me and said, Hey Trey, how many free throws did you miss? I said, 14, what about you? He said with a smirk on his face, zero. I said, well, how many did you shoot? He said, 15. I said, I shot 100, fell harder. I challenge every hooper who steps foot on that court, fail harder. Don't worry about what your coach may think. Don't worry about your friends judging you. Nobody. Any coach who bashes you for taking a risk and making a mistake, he's no longer a coach. He's a critic. Any friend who judges you for your mistakes in practice aren't your friends anyway. While they're busy critiquing, let's get better. Let's see who really has the last laugh. Tell them to enjoy their time now because our time is coming. All we did was take the long way, the right way. Fail harder now so you can succeed easier later. How true it is that we should be willing to put it all out there. Some of you watched that. Some of you got that. Some of you understand that thinking that somehow if... if if we don't try something, we won't have the opportunity to become something. And some of us want to give up. Some of us want to give up way before because we have this fear that somehow I can't take that step because I'm going to fall. But the premise is this. Somehow in this coming year, we got to be ready and willing to put it all out there and say, Lord, I will not quit in this area. I will give my very best. And when I fall down, I'll get back up, but I'm not quitting. Make a decision today for the rest of the year. That way you don't have to make it when you're not feeling like you want to say, I already made that decision. I'm going to give my best in this area. And God has designed our bodies in incredible ways. And so this year, this could be the year. Finally, this is the year. You've been talking about it. Last year you were here and saying, this is going to be the year that I'm going to get physically healthy. This is the year that I'm going to move in a direction that I can be used by God. And, and, and you find yourself at some point, it's too hard. It's too difficult. It's, it's too late. It's too dark. It's, it's too many. I'm, I'm too tired. And so instead of having to make the daily decision of quitting, make a firm decision right now. I'm not quitting for the rest of the year because too much is at stake. And our bodies house the Holy Spirit of God. 
God has made us for so much more than many are living to. God has made us for so much more. And so we're going to go on this journey today. And you're going to be asking this question along the way. Should I continue on? How should I continue on? How should I live in this human body to make the greatest impact for the kingdom? Grab your Bibles and I'll show you what God has to say. And turn to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will place one in your hand. But turn to Psalm 139. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14. When you find that, just stand and everyone can stand as we read God's word. Psalm 139. Verses 13 and 14. Stay with me and we'll read it together. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. Let's read this out loud together. Read it with me out loud. Ready, read. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Let me ask you a question before you take a seat. Look at verse 14. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When is the last time you just praise God because you are fearfully and wonderfully? When is the last time you think, Lord, I woke up this morning. I just want to praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So I want you to read that. And you, I want you to read it as if you're, you're praising God for this as you read this. So let's read Psalm 139. Verse 14, let's start the year out right and giving God praise. Ready? Read. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You have a seat. Stop for a second. Consider how amazing God has made us, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and how that can impact how we live out this year. This week, I gathered some facts about the human body and how we're how we're fearfully made and wonderfully made. Just to give you a a small snapshot, these are just one of many collections of of facts about the body. But listen to some of these, these facts about our bodies and how God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. Did you know that more than half the bones in the human body are in the hands and the feet? Did you know that the heart beats about three billion times in the average person's lifetime? That a newborn baby has 350 bones, but a fully grown adult only has 206. Did you know that? 350, but a fully grown adult only has 206. Did you know that a newborn, that that blood is a liquid organ? Did you know that everyone is colorblind at birth? Did you know that our lungs inhale over 2 million liters of air every day without even thinking? The surface area of your lungs and my lungs is approximately the same size as a tennis court. Next time you play tennis, think, wow, the surface size of my lungs is the size of a tennis court. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that, the, that food will get to your stomach even if you're standing on your head? Did you know that? Did you know that the average adult is made up of 100 trillion cells? Did you know that the cornea, the outermost layer of the eye, is the only living tissue in the human body without blood vessels? It receives nutrient from tears and from the aqueous humor. Did you know that each cell in your body has an estimated six to eight feet of DNA? Did you know the total length of your circulatory system stretches an amazing 60 
thousand miles. That is more than twice the distance around the earth, just in your circulatory system. Did you know that in one square inch of skin on your body, there are four yards of nerve fibers, 600 pain sensors, 1,300 nerve cells, 900 nerve endings, 36 heat sensors, 75 pressure sensors, 100 sweat glands, 3 million cells, and three yards of blood vessels in just one square inch of surface in your skin. Did you know, except for your brain cells, 50 million of the cells in your body will have died and been replaced all the while I just read that one statement. Think about that for a second. Did you know that your heart beats about 100,000 times in one day and about 40 million times a year? In one hour, the heart works hard enough to produce enough energy to raise almost one ton of weight one yard off the ground. Did you know that messages travel along the nerves as electrical impulses and they travel at speeds up to 248 miles per hour? Did you know that we give birth to 100 billion red blood cells every day and about 2 million red blood cells every second? Did you know that when you touch something, we send a message to our brain at 124 miles per hour? Watch it. Boom! Right away. That's how quickly your brains respond. Did you know that we exercise at least 30 muscles when we smile? So let's exercise our muscles. Ready? Smile. Come on, 30. We exercise 30 muscles when we smile. Did you know that our bodies are about 70% water? Did you know that we make one liter of saliva every single day? Now, that's kind of nasty, isn't it? One liter of saliva every single day. Did you know that we have copper, zinc, cobalt, calcium, manganese, phosphates, nickel, and silicon in our bodies? Did you know that the average life of a taste bud is 10 days? Here's just food for thought. If you're a margarine person instead of butter. Did you know that margarine is one molecule away from being plastic? Did you know that? Did you know that our bodies contain enough water to fill a 10-gallon tank? We have enough carbon inside of us to manufacture 900 number two pencils. Did you know that people blink once every four seconds? That's because the eyelashes act as windscreen wipers, keeping dust and grime from getting into the eye itself. Did you know that every tongue has its own individual print, which is unique to each person? How about this? If a person has two-thirds of their liver removed from trauma or surgery, it will grow back to its original size in four weeks' time. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that it's normal to lose 100 hairs per day from your scalp? Some of you don't have to worry about that, but did you know that? 100 hairs per day. Think about that. Did you know that there are more bacteria in your mouth than the human population of the United States and Canada combined. Now, guys, reach over husbands and kiss your wife and say, I'd like that bacteria. <laughs> Did you know that there are more than 1,000 chemicals in a cup of coffee? Of those, of these, only 26 have tested and half cause cancer in rats. Did you know that, coffee drinkers? <laughs> Did you know that the average human body contains enough sulfur to kill at least to kill all the fleas on an average dog. 
potassium to fire a toy cannon, fat to make seven bars of soap, phosphorus to make 2,200 match heads, and enough water to fill a 10-gallon tank. And then in closing, here's another fascinating fact about our being fearfully and wonderfully made. If you save all the times your eyes blink in one lifetime and use them all at once, think about that. If you just saved all the times your eyes blink in a lifetime and saved them for all at once, you would see blackness for 1.2 years. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the psalmist says, I know that full well. And so in light of that, the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, God has given us a brilliant operating system like no other thing that exists. And to think that now, that that system that's in place now houses the God of the universe who lives inside of us. Now, in addition to that, we have this unfair advantage because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We should take care of this operating system called the body because the Holy Spirit lives in us. What if... What if the only thing that limited you and me from being all that we can be was truly just talent and skill? I mean, what if we had tasks in front of us and nothing could stop us but our skill set? If nothing else, truth be known, that is the case. From What if the only thing that kept us from a- attempting and completing a task was just skill? Someone was better, has better talent or skill. What if the only thing that kept us from being all that God wanted us to be was skill and talent instead of health? What if the decisions you made in this year were not limited because of your poor health choices? It takes energy to live in this life. It takes energy to to be all that God wants us to be. The major reason we can't do some of the things we want to is because of a lack of energy. We're wiped out. We could never bound a flight of stairs without being out of air. Some can barely walk or jog across the parking lot. Some complain because they have to park clean on the other side of the parking lot and they gripe the whole way. I can't believe I got to walk. I got to walk two parking lots. I'm tired and I'm out of breath. Why? Because we lack energy. Imagine not being limited at all to do all that God wanted us to do. I want to clarify and pull away and say something today. This has nothing to do with body size. Nothing. This has nothing to do with body size or shape. It has everything to do with fitness and nutrition and health. You see, somewhere along the road, we believe the lie that health should be a low priority. And I've sat in those circles. I've sat with people who have tried to say, and, and I've heard it taught, that somehow that because bodily exercise or training has little value, then we, we shouldn't be concerned with it. Well, let's take a look at what Paul says there. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy. Let's address the issue and kill the elephant in the room. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Please turn there, open your Bibles, and let's just see what, what the Word of God has to say about exercise or training or discipline or being healthy. Let's see what the Bible has to say in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to turn there and I want you to look at verse 7 first. 1 Timothy 4 verse 7. Paul says this to Timothy as he was mentoring him. He said to Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather do what to yourself to be godly? What's the word? Train. Train yourself to be godly. 
So he's looking at Timothy and he's saying this, listen, it's going to require exercise. It's going to require discipline. In order for you to be godly, you're going to have to train yourself. You're going to have to have these disciplines in place. So he goes on. Look what he says in verse 8. For physical training is of what kind of value? What's it say? Some value. Some translations say profits us little. But then he says this. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul was not saying, now hear me. Paul was not saying, nor did the Holy Spirit as he inspired this passage. He was not saying that bodily exercise isn't important. I've heard people say, well, it profits us little. It has no value. It doesn't have the value. So don't be concerned. Just, just be, work on the, the spiritual disciplines in your life. You cannot not have both of these and, and live out in such a way that honors God. Let me just say it this way. Here's what I know about this passage. This is a comparative statement. It's the way that, that the writer looks at something and he compares two truths. It's a comparative statement. It's to show that spiritual exercise is much more important. Physical exercise is only beneficial in this life, but spiritual exercise will help us in the world to come as well as in this life. Yet we only get one chance in this area, in this life, in these bodies, because the old body will be resurrected. Now, here's what he's saying. He is referring to duration, not importance. So when he's saying physical exercise, that is, is, it has some value. Spiritual exercise or training has much value. He's talking about duration. It's only going to have value for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, 40, 50, how long you're here. Sure, so you compare that duration to forever, sure, it is littler, it is less, it isn't as much. So what he's saying is comparative statement-wise, it has smaller value, but it is valuable. He is referring to duration and not importance. He's referring to limited versus forever. Little as in time compared to eternity. Let me just pull away and just be very personal and just say, the older I get, and as I age, I long to be healthy physically. Not for me, but so that I can be used by Christ in such a way that it doesn't limit how I can be used. Like 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us to be prepared to, to give an answer to anyone who asks but do it with gentleness and respect. Be prepared to give an answer. I want to be prepared. I want us to be prepared as a church that physical choices that we've made do not limit us from being used by God. Now, that has nothing to do. I'm not talking about the things that have been handed down to you that you have no control over. But because of your poor health choices, are you limiting how God can use you? Let's change that in 2016. Some of us take better care of our cats and dogs than we do our bodies. It's the truth. You'll bathe them. You'll, you'll, you'll brush them. You'll get them special vitamins. You, get them, you, you, you want them to be healthy. You take them to the doctors and the vets. You get them the best care. You take better care of your dogs and your cats than you do the own body where the Holy Spirit lives inside of. Some of you take better care of your motorcycles and cars. You wax them. You get them detailed. You get them vacuumed. You get them shampooed. You, you, you work 
to make them look well. You spend more time on your cars and your motorcycles than you do your body and keeping it fine tuned. Some of you take better care of your house than you do your own body that has the Holy Spirit in it. Some of you take better care of your flower gardens and pull weeds daily and not concerned with your own bodies. Some of you take better care of your guns than you do your bodies. And by the way, Holy Spirit doesn't live in your gun. But God lives inside of you. And I have nothing against guns. I have 14 of them in my house. I'm just saying, what are you valuing more? Where are you placing more value? If we are to live in such a way that reflects Christ and makes a difference in this world, then we must live and take care of this vessel that houses the Holy Spirit. So we need a good energy source to power the goods. Because this operating system is incredible. Some of us are so wiped out at the end of the workday that the only thing we can do when we get home is to sleep. Some can hardly stay alert in a meeting because of lack of energy. Some of us fall apart quickly at any kind of adversity in our lives. So we need to increase the capacity for more energy. And God has designed our bodies. This is fascinating. I'm not a doctor and I don't pretend to be. But I do know that this is truth. And I do know that when I do this, this takes place. And when I read this and doctors that study this, I want to say, you are correct about this. Our bodies produce two hormones. They produce many hormones, but two hormones that are significant to our health. Our bodies can produce catecholamines or cortisol. This is very important. So think about this. Catecholamine is the challenge and fight response. It's it's the hormone that we produce when that allows us with energy to run to the front lines, to stand up and and face the enemy, to get up and run, to move, to to be able to, to be ready. Catecholamines are good hormones that our body produces. Cortisol is a fear response hormone that our body produces. Like, I'm too tired. I can't do that. If I do that, then that will happen. I'll just fail, so I don't want to fail. So I'm not going to set a resolution. Why should I set a resolution? Because there's four months down the road. I'll quit. Why should I quit? And so why, why, make a, why, why set goals? I hear people say, I'm not going to set goals. If I set goals, and then, then, then I can't reach them. And then I'll just fail. Listen to me. That is a cortisol response to your life in general. So how do we get catecholamines to be produced? It's very simple. This isn't rocket science. This is people are a lot smarter than me. Exercise increases the catecholamines that gives us more energy. The more you exercise, the more that are stored away and you can outperform anyone that doesn't. Show me a person that regularly exercises. You must have some system in place, whether it's walking, whether it's swimming, whether it's, it's biking, whether it's running, where it's getting your heart rate up. Show me someone they have stored away. Here's what happens. So when you exercise, you have this bank, much like you go to the bank and you put a deposit in and you continue to put deposits in. And so when you need to write a check you, to get a withdrawal, you check and see, is there money in the bank? And so you write the check against what's in the bank or what's been deposited. It's the same way with, with energy. We have energy banks. And so we put deposits in. We exercise, we exercise, we exercise. It builds up the catecholamines. And you still know what happens? When we need to use them, we, we write a withdrawal statement. We, we write a check against the bank. And as long as there's catecholamines in there, we have energy to be. And if there 
aren't catecholamines, then we lack injury. And many, 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 many people who call themselves Christ followers have empty thanks. And you are limiting how God can use you. I would say it this way. Exercise is a gift from God and not a burden from him. Like, let me just pull it. Sometimes I don't feel like exercising. Many days I don't feel like exercising. And there's many days you don't feel like exercising. Exercise is a gift from God. It's not a burden. It's some, oh, I got to go run. I got to go lift. I got to gotta go swim. I got to get up at 5 o'clock. I got to 7 o'clock. I mean, it's like, what you should be saying is, Lord, thank you for this gift. God, thanks for the ability to, to breathe. And God, thanks that you created this system, this, this, this brilliant operating system that benefits, that rewards, that stores away, that allows me to house you and live in such a way that makes you look good, God. May I never, ever let my bank go dry. How many of you have empty banks? You're saying it's hard, it's difficult, it's too much. Because you're allowing cortisol to be the response instead of catecholamines. It's a gift to your children as, as they care for you in old age. I was thinking about that the last couple of days where we were able to travel back east and see my, my, my folks and all my siblings. They're from five different states. My, I have a sister in South Carolina. I have, a, I have a sister in West Virginia. I have a sister in Maryland. I have a brother in Ohio, and we live in Indiana. And so we were able to go back, and we gathered together. And, and on our last evening there, as a family, we were seated in my mom's house. And I was looking there, and, 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 and we began to sing some old hymns together. And so the whole families that were there with the siblings that were there and their kids and, and my mom and my stepfather, and we, we sat around and we just sang these hymns together. And, and there was moments where we were laughing and there was moments where it, it had tears coming up. And, and as I was seated there, this thought occurred to me, Lord, please let me have this time with our kids. God, let us, let, let me be able to sit here one day and, and, and sit on the couch and, and have, have our kids come in with their kids. And, and Lord, May I never limit these kind of moments of praise because of poor health choices where I've cut my life short because I made poor choices. Exercise is a gift from God. I often think about this, and I do. I think about this a lot. What if God takes a few minutes at the Bema seat and says, this is how I wanted to use you on earth, but because of your poor health choices, I wasn't able to. What if, what if he looks back and, and he says, hey, 2016, I wanted to send you there. Why didn't you go there? Like, hey, I wanted you to be part of that team. Hey, I wanted you to serve there. But you chose not to because you were tired, because, because of a poor health choice, because you weren't able to, because you couldn't move, because, because of, you couldn't breathe, because, because some of us couldn't even save our own kids if they were drowning in the ocean. We'd have to send someone else. Some of us couldn't save our own wives if, if they were a mile away from us. We need to set ourselves up to be prepared that have these energy things called catecholamines to bank and to reach and tap into so that we can serve God. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and his relationship with God and man. Luke 2.52, it's very common. That's how we set up the four areas even for Fight Club. And that's when you think about that, Jesus grew in wisdom, 
Jesus grew in stature. Jesus grew in his relationship with others. Jesus grew in his relationship with God. Jesus grew in stature. What stature? That's health. Jesus grew in health. The God-man grew in health. You say, well, how did he do that? They didn't have weights back then. I can't picture Jesus running marathons. How did Jesus grow in health? Well, think about this for a second. What was Jesus' mode of transportation majority of time? He walked. Walked and walked and walked. In fact, if you record the times in the gospel where Jesus walked in his three years of ministry, he walked approximately 3,000 miles. Think about that. That's 1,000 miles a year of walking. That's roughly two to three miles a day that Jesus walked. He grew in stature. He grew in health. If the God of the universe who was incarnated in, in the form of a body and man thought it was important to grow in health, shouldn't we? What is your plan for this year to grow in health? Well, I hope that I do this and I hope by the end of the year, I'm going up, I'm going up, going up, going up. I'm going to do it. What's your plan? Do you even have a plan? Listen, too much is at stake for us not to house the Holy Spirit in the best vessel possible. So what do we do instead? Because we don't have energy. We use elevators and we get cabs. We drive four blocks to go to a Bible study instead of walking. We, we, we go to the store, which is three blocks down. We drive six houses down the road. We build carports so that people can be dropped off. We, we, we are worn out after one trip around the mall, but we end up in the food court and, and eat while we rest. We're out of breath two trips down the basketball court because exercise isn't a priority. We don't see it as a gift from God. Every person should have some, some goals when it comes to exercise. And I have, a, I have a bunch, but here's a real simple one. One of the goals I have is, it might not mean anything to you, but it keeps me on track. One of the goals that I have of many when it comes to health. One of them is this. I want to play basketball with my sons, play in an adult league with them, when, and lace up my, my shoes and play in the same game with them and play in the same league that they do. Josh is out of high school and out of college and working now at you know, Krugel Lawton. We play in the same basketball league. It's so much fun for me to watch my 24-year-old son. I'll be 54 tomorrow. And when I can get on the court with him and we can guard the opponents together and play hoops, there's something about that that's worthwhile. And I told my son, my younger son, Isaiah, he's, he's a junior in high school. One of my goals, I want to lace him up. He's playing high school basketball now and he's playing high school golf. I want to lace up the, 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 the shoes with him. And, and one of the goals is that means I'll be 56 years old. That's old. It is. But listen, set the goal. One of the reasons, it'll be a joy to lace it up. And imagine, for me, I picture this. Three brown boys on the court at the same time. That would be awesome. Simple goal. Why? It gives me a chance to do life with my sons. Instead of just sitting on the sidelines because of poor health choices. And here's what normally happens once you get out of high school. You don't have a health plan. You get out of college. You don't have a health plan. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I can't do this. Well, it's time. To put a health plan in place so that you don't limit how God wants to use you. Some of you are making poor health choices that you will hand down to your children. The same habits. You see, men decide their habits and your habits decide your future and often your children's future. Your body was not designed for inactivity. 
What happens to our muscles when we don't use them? What happens for long periods of time if, you, if you've been disabled because of something? Your atrophy sets in. Our bodies have been designed to be active. God has made us in such a way to be mobile. God has made us in such a way to move. God has made us in such a way to exercise. Exercise is a gift from God. Ask yourself this question. Am I better off or worse off from where I was a year ago? Am I better off or worse off for God? Or is it this decline I've given up? Rest and recovery are also areas that help keep us fit and prepared. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 127. So we need to exercise. We need to recover. We need to replenish. We need to have a plan that allows us to replenish. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 127. Look at Psalm 127. Look what the, the author says here in verse 2. Rest and recovery keep us fit and prepared. Psalm 127 in verse 2 says this. In vain you rise up early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. He grants what to those he loves? What's it say? Sleep. Okay, come on, help me out. Come on, turn there. I want you to turn there. Psalm 127, this is important. Look at verse two. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he what? So what does that mean? God grants sleep to those he loves. He grants it by allowing us to cast off our concerns and worries to him. Sleep is a lordship issue in your life. I want you to think about that for a second. See, if we're not willing to give up that child, if we're not willing to give up that concern, that health concern, if we're not willing to give up that relational concern, if we're not willing to give up that unemployment concern, if we're not willing to give up that, that, that physical concern or that spiritual concern, if we're not willing to give up that rebellious child, if we're not willing to give up that single mom that we feel, if we're not willing to give that up to God and we try to own it ourselves, that's a lordship issue. And the moment you try to carry all that weight, guess what happens to your sleep? You lose sleep. Sleep then is a way that God loves us. He says here, cast off your concerns, throw them on me, now go sleep because our bodies are also designed to sleep. And when we sleep and get proper rest, we are at our very best. Truth be known, we should be able to sleep in the trenches of a battlefield because our God is with us and who could ever stand against us. By the way, Jesus had a recovery system. Think about that. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Why? He needed to recover. He needed to replenish. He needed to fill himself back up. He needed, because he was on the front lines, he had to pull away and recover. His body needed to recover. Luke chapter 9 and verse 10 says, they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. We must find ways to replenish ourselves so that we can operate at maximum performance for Christ. Not only do we need a good health plan, but we need a good recovery plan. You see, there's a myth out there. And you've heard me say this, but it's so good to repeat because you need to hear it and I need to hear it. There's a myth out there that says we must remove stress to recover. That just isn't true. 
I heard people say, my workplace is so stressful. This job is so stressful. These kids are so stressful. This situation is so stressful. This is so stressful. Let me just pull away and say something in regards to stress. Stress is the catalyst for growth. Stress isn't intrinsically sinful or bad. Let me, let me explain. If you're working out and you want to work your, just say your bicep, if you want to work muscles in your bicep, so what do you do? You grab a barbell, you grab a dumbbell, you grab a dumbbell and you curl and you're putting stress on that muscle. And so you work it and you have a plan. I'm going to do this many sets, these many reps, this, this much weight. And what you're trying to do is put stress on that muscle. And as you put stress on that muscle, it, for it to grow, guess what hap- has to happen? You must not work it all the time. Like if every day for eight hours a day, you just did curls, guess what happened to your muscles? Eventually, they would tear down. Eventually, they would break down. In order for the muscle to grow, it must have a recovery system. So you put stress on it, put stress on it, put stress on it, and then you recover. You go and work the back muscles, or you take a day off, and it grows. It gets stronger. So stress is a catalyst. It's in your life. It's okay. It's a catalyst for growth, but you must pull away and refuel and replenish yourself so that you can go back again and you grow through your stressful times. And when you get proper sleep, when you don't get proper sleep and you don't recover, you do not grow. I'll never forget in a healthy lifestyles class. You know, I, I say this because it, it was like a light one on. That's my prayer today for, for those of you out here today. I was sitting in healthy lifestyles class as a freshman, and I'll never forget Dr. Johnson. I'm sitting there, and he was explaining the heart, going into all these details, and I was learning, I was taking notes because I knew I was going to test it on it. And then he said these words I'll never forget. He looked at the class, and I felt like he was just saying it to me because it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was a pretty healthy person that time, by the way. I was playing college basketball, but he hit me at the time with this thought. He said this. He said, Jim, or the class, your heart is a muscle. And when you exercise it, it gets stronger. It grows. Now think about that for a second. Your heart is a muscle. And he said this. When you exercise it, like you do your arm or your legs and your back or shoulders and all your muscles, when you exercise it, it gets stronger. And then he said these words I'll never forget. He said, and this is how your heart works. When you exercise your heart, it beats less. And then he said this. And I was like, well, why, why is that? He says, then if it beats less, it lasts longer. Think about that for a second. That hit me. And be quite frank, from that day on, over 35 years ago, 34 years ago, whatever it was. That began a journey for me. That's why, that's why I exercise. That's why I work out. Why? Because some truth hit me like a ton of bricks. And here's why. I realized if I work out, if I exercise, if you exercise, it gives you and me a chance to live at our redeemed potential and make a difference in our world. See, when you put it all together, it's a beautiful operating system that God has given us. One of the best ways to recover properly is to live your life in sprints. You need to take brain breaks. I do it all the time. If you were in the offices at Grace, you would see me do this. I, 
I'm all in. If I'm working, I'm studying. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working in my office. I'm I'm answering. I'm I'm figuring. I'm and analyzing. I'm ministrating. I'm I'm delegating. I'm doing whatever. I'm 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 all in. I'm all in. You put me at the desk. I'm I'm and then all of a sudden I need to take a brain break. So I walk down the halls and you guys will tell you open up doors. Hey, how you doing? How's your day going? I take breaks. You have to take brain breaks. I'll come out and I'll shoot a hoop. I'll walk around the church. You must live your life and sprint. You can't continue to work hard. You can't continue to keep doing this because if you keep doing this, you'll tear down. You will burn out. You must have a recovery system. Why? So that you can live and operate and be all you can for Jesus Christ. You must have an end to your day and end to your week too. You must separate work from play. Let me, let, me, let me just hit on something that people, that sometimes they, they, they're fearful of addressing. It's okay to have fun as a Christian. Like somebody think, well, I can't believe they're wasting their time buying that snowboard and they're going snowboarding up there. I can't believe they got motorcycles. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Him and his wife go for a ride on a motorcycle. Can you believe that they, they go on a vacation to Florida in the winter? Who would do that? Well, I'll tell you what, who wouldn't want to do that? Listen, I would say this, work hard, play hard. Play and fun is a gift from God. It's your recovery system. It's your replenishing system. Don't ever feel guilty. If you got someone that, that complains about you doing that, just, just invite me, I'll come. Me and my wife and I'll come, we'll go with you. Hey, if you want to put us in a hotel in Florida, we're there. We're, we got, this week, we'll be there. Enjoy life, work hard, play hard. Enjoy this thing that God has given you called life on earth. Payoff for physical discipline is a fit body, increased energy, and resistance to sickness. Lower insurance rates and higher concentration levels and increased self-worth. You see, I don't want to get to the end of my life. I don't even know what that is. Like, hopefully it's way out there. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to get to, at some point in my life where I hand my wife all these bills and insurance rates that are skyrocketed because of poor health choices. I, I, I want to be responsible and be a good steward of my body. I, I, I don't want to hand my kids like they're taking care of dad one day and taking care of me because of my poor health choices. They, they are stuck with dad who, who can't breathe. They're stuck with dad who can't walk. They're stuck with dad who has this sickness that, that happened because of his poor. I don't want to hand my kids that kind of dad. I want to hand them a dad that did all he could do to live this life for Jesus in a healthy way. I want to do that for my wife. It's being a good steward. You, you know that. Go check your insurance. If you have a good health report in your insurance, guess what happens to your rates? It drops down. And guess what you can do with that extra money? You can use it for the kingdom of God. So why wouldn't we want to have good health? Let me just ask you a personal question. Are you making excuses? It's time. It's, it's done. Oh, I, I don't like to run. I don't like to work out. Like, that's for them. And boy, they're, and, and are you one of those people who see someone exercise? Can you believe they posted that picture? They got a running club. What, what's wrong with those people? Maybe, just maybe, they've been inspired by God to take care of their vessels. Improper nutrition limits you, too. Do you spend more time justifying your freedoms than crucifying them? 
Are you trying to find passages in the Bible? Say, I can eat that. I can drink that. I can do that. I, I. And maybe you, you come from the bent that's been real legalistic and, and you had all these don'ts and all these do's. And, and now you're like, hey, everything, everything's permissible. But Paul says not everything is beneficial. I can do whatever I want. I can indulge. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. Are, are you looking for more freedoms? Are you spending all of your time justifying your freedoms instead of crucifying your flesh? Look, listen, every time I see Mike and Ike's, I got to crucify my flesh. Oh man, I love those things. Just, you laugh. Ask my wife. Like, I could, t- if, you had, if, they, if they were in a box that big, I could eat every one of them but I got to crucify my flesh. Like every time I go in a store, like, oh man, you go to Dollar General, they got them in big containers, like dollar. Like they're just like, here, eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me. And I have to cruise. I don't know what, driving, driving home yesterday, we were coming back from, from Maryland and, 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 and we're stopping in Ohio, wrote the, the, the travel plaza and you go in there and they got Buckeyes. I mean, and their clearance left over from life. It's like, would you stop it, people? Buckeyes at half price. Like, I got to walk around. I got to say, crucify him, Jim. Just crucify him. Just crucify that Buckeye. And sometimes I think I need to take those Mike and Ike's right out of the package and take a hammer to them. So are you justifying your freedoms? Spending more time that than crucifying your flesh? Improper nutrition will limit you. Stop eating red meat only. Stop eating so much junk food. Drink lots of water. What happens is this. Like, I crave water. Like, there's nothing that satisfies or quenches my thirst like water. How does that happen? Your body is designed to enjoy water. Proverbs, Solomon had some good things to talk about food. And he said this in in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 20. He said, don't drink too much wine and get drunk. Don't eat too much food and get fat. Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row in a stupor dressed in rags. And then Solomon said this in Proverbs 22, verses 2 and 3. These are from the message. That's not a paraphrase, by the way. It is a translation from the Hebrew. Eugene Peterson's version says this in Proverbs 22 and verses 2 and 3. Don't gobble your food, don't talk with your mouth full, and don't stuff yourself. Bridle your appetite. Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear of timidity, but one of self-control. And so every single time, that I give into the flesh, I have to pull away and say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I'm not walking in the spirit. You see, if you don't have self-discipline in your life, you're not walking in the spirit. We are able to have discipline. We are able to be disciplined. We are able to do things that we thought we couldn't. And so if you don't have a nutrition, a health exercise discipline in your life, you're not walking in the spirit. And if you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking in sin. I didn't say that. That's what the word of God says. Let me speak briefly to body image here. Unless we somehow think that you all have to look like someone else. Body image isn't the same for everybody. One size doesn't fit all. Let me speak to to, 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 to mothers out there. 
There are scars on your body because you gave birth. Listen to me. Celebrate them. They're trophies. You gave life. And your body didn't recover the way you thought it would. But listen, you gave life. Praise God for that. And continue to celebrate those truths. And as you age, and as I age, and, and we all age, there are things I can't do at 54 that, that I did at 24. That's okay. There's things that you can't do at 35 that you did at 15. There are things that you won't be able to do at 50, or that you did at 50 that you can't do at 70. It's okay, but be the best 70. Be the best 50. Be the best 40. Be the best 30. Be the best 20. Because the living God lives in us. The point is this, one of the greatest gifts that you can give your wife or husband and children is the gift of health. You say, I have many wives come to me and they're already starting. Hey, Pastor Jim, can you get my husband to be part of this? Hey, Pastor Jim, can you get my son? Hey, Pastor Jim, can you get my brother? Hey, Pastor Jim, would you have to sign up for Fight Club? Hey, Pastor Jim, hey, Pastor Jim, hey, Pastor Jim, would you be part? Can you get him? Because I don't want to be a nag. And what are they saying? I want my husband to be healthy spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually. Why? Because here's what they think about husbands. You see, they see you. And they see that you're one cheeseburger away from a heart attack. They see that, that you're one cup of milk away from a stroke. And they see you. And they wonder, how am I going to do life without my husband here? And they're wondering, how am I going to pay bills when my husband is incapacitated because of the health choices he has made? How am I going to make it? And so while you are not fit and while you're not working, they are thinking about how you might not be here. The best gift that you can give your wives is the gift of peace, knowing that you are doing your absolute best with the hope, help of the Holy Spirit to live this life, to hand her and the future, the best version possible. Some of you are planning for a heart attack. Some of you are planning for a stroke. Some of you are planning for diabetes. Some of you are planning to spend the rest of your life tired, fatigued, and falling short of what God wants. Now listen, just ask the Holy Spirit to do a, a, a check. You know it. This has nothing to do with age. Ask yourself, am I really at a place where God wants me? Am I at my best, am I giving God my best when it comes to health and nutrition and recovery and replenishing? Paul said this, and I want you to listen to this in closing. Just listen, don't, don't check out, but listen to this. This is what he said, and I'll say it to you today too. It's a very convicting statement. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now look what he says beginning that. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? He's asking this question and he's still asking, Grace, do you not know that your bodies? Why is he saying that? Because the way... You are living doesn't reflect that you know that. I don't want the Holy Spirit to have to ask me this question. Jim, don't you know that I live in you? 
It's never too late to start, by the way. Do evaluation of yourself, please, today. Do you have energy? Are you out of breath? Are you noticing that you're making poor health choices? Are you an emotional wreck from time to time? Are you constantly negative? Do small things wreck your world emotionally? Have you said no to doing something because of your fitness level? Please, don't be another statistic this year. Your family needs you. The world needs you. The living God lives in you. Take care of the temple. Oh, Lord, help us today. I pray, God, that somehow in this message, because it's your word, I pray that that you either affirmed us, that you convicted us. I pray that somehow what happened to me in that college classroom over 30 years ago, what happened in our hearts, I pray, God, that there will come this point this week, in this day, that we would get on track And that we would be resolute about creating bodies that are physically healthy so that you can get greater glory. May we never, ever have to stand before you and hear these words. This is how I wanted to use you, but you limited how I could because of your health choices. Lord, help us to know that we can't or don't have to do it on our own, that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, the same power lives in us. I pray, God, even as we sing this song, that we would recognize that we don't have to do it alone, that somehow we can do it because the living God and the living power, the living God lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen.